For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball, and if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. Thank you, as always, for joining us. I am Amanda. You can follow me on Twitter at AWhite7877. You can follow my assiduous co-hosts, Nick and Ryan, at DCNatJack and at HalfShackCap. You can follow our digital media coordinator at one Pursuit Takes, our blog contributor, Monty, at M. Davis Taylor, and the show at Half Street High Heat. How y'all doing? Bippity-boppity. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Um, how was your uh, vacation? Oh, it was good. Um, it was short, only a few days um, at the beach, but we were just dying to get the kids somewhere because been, they've been yeah, stuck in the house. Yeah, five kids at the beach? <laughs> well, <laughs> the older kids are more help than hindrance because they can help with the little kids, so... That's nice, but they got, we, we stayed, it was pretty, um, I wouldn't say like abandoned, but for Ocean City, it was very much less crowded than normal. So we stayed at a place why, where, why, is, is there something going on? Anyway, it was nice because the boys who were my older two got to like go walking around by themselves and hanging out and the little ones just got to play on the beach, which was pretty empty. 
we had a good time, got lots of pictures, and uh, it was nice to have a few days away from work. But yeah, it was good. How about you guys? What did you get up to this week? Amanda, you'll like this. So I found a new show, okay, all on right. Netflix. It's called Selling Sunset. It's all about realtors uh, selling um, homes in uh, Los Angeles. So Oh, you know, I've seen it. Yep, Hollywood I know Hollywood Hills in the Valley and the Strip and all that stuff. I'm addicted. It is trash TV at its finest, but I'm it addicted. Very much more dramatic than real realtoring, but I dig well, it. Maybe, maybe that's <laughs> real realtoring and what you're it's doing. It's realtoring. Think about that. No, but it's just like a bunch of, you know, fake white girls with long blonde hair, you know, being catty about selling million dollar homes. But you yeah. know what's funny is that I was watching it with my fiance and they like the the show opens, they're like building this forty three million dollar mansion or whatever. And then you go through, you see a couple like five to seven million dollar homes or whatnot. And then you finally get to the one that that Spanish style home from like 1915. Right, it's, it's a million dollars. Yeah, and then you say, <laughs> oh, it's only 1.7 million. Oh, it's only 3.2 million. Like that's some. Oh God. Oh, <laughs> you said a bad word. Yeah, you, you like the fact that you put only into those sentences yeah, is like so something, ridiculous. Something realistic. Yeah, it's like a 900-square-foot 1950s bungalow that's falling down. It's like $1.3 million in California. Yeah, exactly. It must be nice to sell real estate there because those commissions are sweet. Yeah, like the the um, $43 million mansion, the commission is like $1.3 million. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no. Yeah. <laughs> commissions yeah. around here, you know, this is a great real estate market around here. It's a pretty pricey area, but nothing mm. like that. No. <laughs> No, but that that's my latest addiction. Um, I also restarted Grey's Anatomy because, you know, I'm a sucker oh, for trauma. I hate that show so much. How can oh, you hate Grey's Anatomy? It is, it is it's a fantasy. Like, watching that bothers oh, it me is. so much. There is not one so single is thing all television? that is... Okay, but no, but if you're going to do a hospital show, at least try to be somewhat accurate. And it's so far-fetched, and it makes me so mad. Don't even know what the show's about. It's been on for 30 seasons. It needs to end. <laughs> they, is it still on? It can't long. possibly still There's be on. filming season 17 right now. Oh, my God. Now, I watched that show for years, and I just, like, fell off, I don't even know, like, a decade ago. I haven't watched any new ones in, like, 10 years. I cannot believe it's still on. That's insane. Not one person washes their hands. It, it makes no sense. Plus, and they kill everyone. Like, aren't all the main characters dead? Like, well, that, that's more of a Shonda Rhimes thing. That's more of a Shonda Rhimes thing because anytime anyone asked for more money or like had a problem with her character, she killed them off, and that's like not a joke. Like, that's yeah. the reason there's so much. Like, that's where all the drama started from. Like, it started with like Katherine Heigl, who just got written off the show, but then like one of the other like main OG guys complained so he got killed off and then on and on i and just on. can't i can't stick with shows where they get like get rid of the entire original cast like i get that you need drama and sometimes you kill off a oh, character no, I, I feel that but i feel the same way about the walking dead like i can't even watch it anymore i loved oh that God. show back in the I day but it's like there's nobody left on it anymore from the original cast i love still, that, that show so much on? yes and it's absolute disgrace it got so soft and it's funny because everyone i talked to i about haven't the watched dead, it in a while 
everyone stopped watching around the same time and now like they completely just diverted from the comics and like a couple of the main characters were like i'm done i'm out so like no idea which way the show's going but i used to love that show and i gave up on it yeah you That's remember in college college sorry, every, sunday night at nine o'clock it was must watch tv like yeah it was yeah. one of those shows like yeah. game of thrones where it's like you can't go on twitter or social media during the, the show because you're going to get spoiled and like, oh yeah absolutely watch it there there's recording it and watching the day after was not an option like you yeah because you couldn't it. avoid it everybody would be talking about it right, and it would exactly. ruin it yeah and i can't ever since they had rick like I don't even know, like, disappear. I haven't watched the show since then. Like, as soon as you could, like, Rick's gone, but he didn't die. Like, it's the stupidest thing ever. Like, the character has been built up to, there's nothing in the world that would keep him away from his children. And then you just, like, have him, he's gone, but he's not going to try to get back or anything. It's just, Coral. It was Coral. Coral. Like the the sea creature. Coral. Yeah. Anyway, once they killed Carl and then they had Rick on, I was hey, like, yeah, I'm oh good. Oh, my God. I'm yeah. done. Oh, come on. It was years ago. You get no, spoilers no, by no, now. No, no, I, I wasn't no, going to say that. I would, no, no. First of all, what made me mad about that is that he, he's the leader in the, in the comic books. And also, he got bit off screen. How are you going to have something that monumental when you don't see it happen? Yeah. He's like laying there. He's like, oh, Dad, I got bit. And you're like, when did this happen? Right. <laughs> and he's like saving some rando character who just got introduced to the show. Oh, my God. I'm just I like, whatever. And then <laughs> when they had Glenn under the dumpster and he like that, somehow miraculously survives, right. come on. That is, right. That's actually where everyone I know stopped watching because that was such a perfect way. And then he was alive and they completely oh, hyped I didn't, up I didn't Negan. See that one. Oh, my God. He went out beautifully. It was a perfect character art. Somehow survives. They hyped up Negan, and they're like, Negan's going to kill someone. And then the season ends, like, he didn't kill anyone. And so that's when I was like, this, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, I I know. It was sincerely one of my favorite shows. I love, like, cheesy zombie stuff. That wasn't cheesy at the beginning. But then at the beginning, like, if you ever rewatch the first season of The Walking Dead, it was only six episodes. The first two seasons. Yeah, the first two were great. But that first season... The zombies were terrifying. And then by the end, they're just like, oh, I can walk out and kill 19 of them all by myself, and it's no big deal. And I can puncture a human skull with a pen. Like, what the yeah. hell? I don't know. I, the whole thing just got a little too I think off I, the rails. I stopped around season six because, like, my big thing is you could watch the first, like, the season premiere and the season finale and not miss anything in between. They all became filler <laughs> episodes. Good point. Yeah, because there would be, I remember the last episode I ever watched was the black guy, I think his name was Morgan in the show, if I'm not Uh mistaken, with the long staff or whatever. The entire episode, no joke, was him walking through the woods. Like, no joke. They didn't show anyone else. It was him. And they think they're being artsy, but they're just being boring. Right. So that was. And then he went off to the other show, and Fear the Walking Dead was pretty good for the first few seasons. Yeah, and then went downhill. I, I, I really liked the season that took place in Mexico. I don't know if you ever watched it. It was season two yeah. or three of that show, but it was really good. I that season it. was cool and fun, and I liked it. But, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing just – it's the it's the curse of letting your shows go on too long. And I always used to get pissed off at HBO for ending their shows too soon. But I feel like if you have to air on one side or the other, you're better off ending it too soon than too late because you ruin something oh. that was wonderful. And Walking Dead could have been the perfect, like, five-season show. Walking yeah, Dead. Like, five better, or six. Better, better than Breaking Bad, and Breaking well, no, Bad's well, almost perfect. I Walking never watched Dead, Breaking Bad. The Walking Dead could have gone on for, like, 100 years because there's so many comics, but the well, problem, 
the problem is they start doing their own thing. Like follow the comics, kill everyone, and start over after a couple years. Or just follow another group, like like they did with Fear the Walking Dead. But you could have just ended the Walking Dead and then had one character from the Walking Dead, like like Morgan did, and wind up in another group and follow a different group. That universe is unending. You could follow as many groups as you want and make it great. But instead, they just kept dragging the original one along, and now it's still on, but it's terrible. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of uh, Comic Book Guys. Talking Dead. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what's a guy's name? Chris Harrison? No, that's yeah. Hard, Hardwick. Chris Hardwick. Hard, yeah. Um, yeah. But no, back to my Grace Anatomy point. It was just I was twelve seasons in and I felt like I was too invested not to continue watching, so I did. And now it's like I have nothing to watch and I don't want to commit to anything new, so I'm rewatching it. Because that's seventeen seasons worth of content. Yeah, but man, that's a big commitment to start rewatching something. Yeah. Well, all right. Mr. Commitment. Well, there you go. Um, can we get a uh, fish tank update before we move on? Uh, no, really. Cha- oh, you weren't here last week. Uh, I wasn't here last week. My fish are attacking each other. Uh, <laughs> one killed another one, and, but was severely <laughs> wounded and uh, currently has a, a infection on his tail. And that's not a joke. Um, we're still recovering from that. My my tank is still in shambles, but it looks good. So. That's fantastic. Yeah. No, that's not a joke either. I wish it was. <laughs> okay. Can we get a Finn update before we start talking about baseball, which is depressing and terrible? Um, yeah. Finn, huge football guy. Loves football. <laughs> um, huge Red Zone fan. Um, I'm trying to get him to stop, like, jumping and latching on to everyone's ankles and just biting. Um, he's a healthy kitten, so he's a lot of energy, and he wants to play. So his thing is he'll hide around the corner, and he'll jump out at you and just latch on. But that's a behavior I'm trying to correct. Uh, we're working on it. He doesn't like listening, so, like, you're supposed to, like, yell and clap. So, like, I'll yell no and clap. And then he just, like, throws himself on the floor. He's like, I'm not a threat. I'm not a threat. And he'll start, like, rubbing up against your leg. And the next thing you know, he's attacking your knee. So it's a long process. Um, but it's okay. He's adorable. So like, I'm not the best at, you know, um, what's the word? What's discipline. The word? Yeah. Disciplining him just cause I'm like, Oh, it's okay. Um, <laughs> but he also loves Bojack Horseman right now and guys grocery games. Those are his shows right now. See, guys I don't like games. guys grocery games. I like, I, I, like triple, I like diners, drive-ins and dives, but the guys grocery games doesn't do a thing for me. It's so much fun. I watched the first, like the first episode I watched, Burt Kreischer was on it and I love Burt Kreischer. Yeah, me too. And I was like, Come on, pajamas. <laughs> I was like, this is the machine. <laughs> I was like, this is a, this is pretty fun. Like, this is a fun watch. I Next thing I know, I was like four episodes in. And I was like, I love this show so much. <laughs> I just love him. He's such a... Yeah, I don't understand all the hate that that man gets. It makes no sense to me. Does he get hate? I, mean, I know people he like... Gets some. I think it's just because he does like kind of the, the same thing. A little bit. He, he's a no, he gets a lot of hate. Like, seriously, a lot. Well, I refuse, are, I refuse I no to idea. acknowledge it. Yeah, I have no problem with him. Yeah, Yeah, and not only that, but he, like, does all the, he does, he does all this charitable stuff and is, like, helping out all these out-of-work restaurant employees and does all this great stuff, but he, uh, he seems to get, it's because he looks like a dork, I think. Yeah, he does the shirt off thing, too. Yeah, indeed. All right, well. Parenthood is tough. Hang in there, Ryan. <laughs> I'd say it gets better, but I'd be lying. <laughs> right. Can't wait for the teenagers. Yeah. Yes. 
if you ever wanted to get better, just adopt more kids. That's always the answer. Exactly. <laughs> just get more cats if you're having problems. <laughs> more kittens will help. Yeah, so actually, actually the one thing I forgot to mention about our beach trip was that my two newest little ones um, who are from South Dakota had never seen the beach before. So this was their first ever time seeing the ocean, and it was awesome, especially Joaquin, who's four. He uh, just loved it so much. He just could not get enough of it. At first, he was kind of scared, like, holy crap. <laughs> it's, like, big and scary, but after a while, you could not get him out of the water. He absolutely loved it. It was super fun. That's awesome. Yeah, it was super cool. All right, so I guess since this is a baseball podcast, even though our team sucks, we have to talk about baseball. So, Ryan, can you give us your week in review? Yes, I can. And we are at the final two-week mark of the 2020 season. Can you believe it? There's only two weeks left. Um, MLB has finally finalized their playoff plan, and it is the complete opposite of what Bob Nightingale reported last week. Um, so the higher seeds are going to host all three uh, games of the wild card round. Um, and then the NLDS and NLCS games will be in San Diego and LA. ALDS and ALCS games are will be in Houston and Arlington with the World Series being in Arlington. Manfred also says that he believes that fans could attend games in the LCS and World Series in the bubble, which immediately negates the point of a bubble and is no longer a bubble. Here's the other funny thing. Rob Manfred also said he's banning teams from celebrating with alcohol due to COVID, but he thinks fans will be able to safely attend. You're not very consistent. Alcohol kills germs, you idiot. Not, <laughs> not very consistent. There's also a season of weird records. Shane Bieber reached 100 strikeouts through 62.1 innings. That's the fewest innings pitched to 100 strikeouts in a single season. The Rays had a lineup of all lefties for the first time in MLB history. Um, we are on pace to have the most players hit above 330 and most pitchers under, sorry, most pitchers have an ERA under two in MLB history. To the NL East, Braves are still in first place at 28-19. and 19. They dropped 2-3 or three against the Marlins, but they did drop 29 on them, and then they took 3-4 or four against the Washington Nationals. The rotation is finally getting clarity as Cole Hamels is set to return, and they also signed Pablo Sandoval to a minor league contract. And second are the 24-21 and 21 Marlins, who had the biggest series of the MLB season this year with a seven-game series against the Phillies, and they took 5-7. of seven. They made a clear statement and put themselves in a nice playoff spot. Their fans are celebrating because they have three games left with the Red Sox, as well as five games against the Nationals that they are very excited about. Um, in third place are the 23 and 23 Phillies who are falling mightily hard. The bullpen is awful. They dropped five of seven against the Marlins. And to make matters worse, they're waiting MRI results of JT Realmuto and Reese Hoskins. In fourth place are the 21 and 26 Mets. DeGrom is the only good thing they have going. But there is a lot of excitement amongst fans right now as the Cohen purchase has hit, uh, sorry, has met paper. Um, they're waiting owner vote, which is expected to be approved unanimously. And as the long-hated Wilpons are out, Cohen said he wants to spend and win. And last place are the 17 and 28 Nationals. They're 10 games back of the Braves. They have yet to win three straight games this year. 
They did win their second series of the season, though, against the Rays. Figure that one out. Um, Doolittle is done for the year as his wife appeared to say goodbye and Kendrick was sent to the IL. Their division elimination number is 5 and their playoff elimination number is 10. Uh, this has been your Week in Review brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's. Make sure you stop on by curbside or dine-in at select locations only and get a nice $5 margarita and make sure to check out their amazing quesadilla explosion salad. This has been your Week in Review. I'm sorry, did you say quesadilla explosion salad? Yeah, um, I get it all the time. It's, it's actually really good. So good. Because yep. that sounds to me like I'd rather talk about that than the Nationals. <laughs> The last it. place nationals. I'll tell you what I realized this week that sucks is like I don't even feel like I can brag anymore about them being the World Series champs. Like if I'm talking crap to somebody, like I just feel like, well, I didn't it feels really like want to so say long anything. Ago. Yeah, and it's just I, I don't know. I have this sense that like I feel robbed of the victory lap. Like we didn't get to go to the stadium and see the banner raising <clears> and the ring ceremony and the whole thing. And now we have this like super disappointing weird mini season it's, it's just like the crappiest after world series experience ever it sucks because like they won the world series and the off season was dominated by the astros headlines and right. then after that we get COVID, um so we can't go to any games and the season's delayed so it's another huge thing that takes away from it because at that point no one was really caring about baseball so the entire high of the world series was gone so then we got this 60-game season, and people are, like, trying to force themselves to be excited. We're World Series champs, and the team just freaking sucks. So, like, this was peak yeah. sports back in action, just no time to be happy. And I keep seeing the, the Nationals Twitter account, like, they'll go to a new city, and they're like, champs are here. I'm like, shut up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it irritates me. I'm like, shut up and win a game. I don't want to hear about it. So anyway, I don't know. The whole thing is just super depressing, and it feels – I don't know. It's weird, though. Like, when the Caps won the Stanley Cup a couple years ago, and then the next season they got eliminated in the first round, and I was just – like, of course, you hate it, and it sucks, but it's like all the – all the piss and vinegar is out of it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all of the, I don't know. And I sort of feel that way. And you guys know we had this argument many times that I never felt like this season was like one where if they, I always joked if they won the World Series, I'd pretend it was legitimate. But I never felt like this was really, it would certainly be better if they were winning and I would enjoy it a lot more and I would watch the playoffs and all that. But I can't get myself too worked up about it, I guess. Like normally I'd be freaking out if they weren't making the, even making the playoffs. But the fact that even in a season where literally more than half the league is going to make the playoffs and they're not, it, I, I just can't get myself too upset about it. I want to talk to the head of Royals Twitter and see, like, what their thoughts are. Like, because, <laughs> you know, flags fly forever and all that stuff. And they didn't win too, too long ago, what, 2015? Right. So not it's not long. terribly long ago, but obviously their team now, <laughs> yeah, their team now is just like way, obviously way different than that, that World Series, uh, you know, back-to-back -back World Series and obviously winning one. So I want to know how long that kind of honeymoon phase lasts before you, you're back to reality. You're like, all right. <laughs> all right. I'm, ang <laughs> I'm angry again. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we should, we should tweet at the at Royals Twitter and ask them to take us to their leader and we can ask. Cause we're yeah, the I mean, new Royals. I mean, Ryan runs the leader of Nats Twitter. So. Right. Exactly. So yeah. Ryan, why don't you get on that? Get, find, on find the leader of, of Royals Twitter and ask them how long, how long does the honeymoon last before <laughs> you feel sad and angry at your team again? 
I was trying to think of like the the biggest Royals fan I know, and the only person I could think of was Ned Yost. So. Oh, I saw something on Twitter the other day that cracked me up. That this conversation reminded me of was somebody was watching the um, Eagles Redskins. I mean, Washington right. football team game yesterday, and sent out a tweet. They said, "No, I'm not a fan of the Eagles. I, I hate saw them. That. <laughs> I hate them so much. I just want them to win more than anything. It's different." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I feel that." Like it's like it's not like I'm I hate them so much, but yet I need them to win more than anything in the whole world. <laughs> yep. So I wonder how long it'll be before we go back to feeling like that again. Um, right now I'm, I'm not there. there. I'm there. <laughs> I'm not there yet. They're getting they're getting something of a pass from me this year because they just won the World Series and I can't care that much about this weird season. But like if they don't make the playoffs next year, I'm gonna be spitting fire. I think I'm there. I want them to like win another one. Um, I believe when the Patriots came back from 28 to three, they asked Bill Belichick how it felt. And he said on the stage while holding his like trophy, he was like, um, we're four months behind every other team. I have a lot of work to do. Like no celebration whatsoever. Are ready for the next one. Belichick's the worst. That's what, uh, I mean, he's won six Super Bowls, like actually nine. He's far from it. Um, that's what we need here. We need that mindset. No honeymoons, no fun. All nonsense, all business. No fun. No alcohol at your celebrations. No fun. <laughs> Strict domination of everyone. That's well, the new Washington Nationals when I'm in charge. I'm declaring it right now. <laughs> nobody wanted to acknowledge that Rendon leaving was going to make a, a huge negative impact on the team. And it's obvious now after this little short season that we've had that hit, lacking his bat in the lineup has been a massive problem. But, again, there's there was the honeymoon and nobody wanted to think about it. But. There, there's a lot of issues going on with this team. And then with Strauss out and Doolittle's gone, and it's just been a disaster. People disaster are, of a season. People are starting to realize it now, but they're like, oh, it's injuries. I'm like, who's injured? <laughs> it's it's Strauss and Castro. Strauss, yeah. No one else is injured. And like anyone else who got injured, they weren't having a good season. Like it's not that, but everyone grieves in separate ways. So I'm just I'm letting them exactly. have it this year. We'll respect we'll respect everyone's <laughs> delusion and denial including our own and then next year i'm hoping that they're you know i always expect that rizzo will make some moves in every off season that will improve things when he sees where the problems are so my hope is that they go find a big bat this off season to at least try to replace Rendon with someone other than carter keboom because uh that didn't do the trick so I don't know. I just I'm ready to write this season off and and just look to 2021 and hope that they make enough changes that that they can be competitive next year. Because if next year is like this for 162 games, it's going to really really suck. Yeah, for me, it was once Strauss went down. Like even before he officially went down, I kind of just like shifted back into off season mode, where it's like, okay, what moves are we going to make to set us up for next season? And that's kind of how I still was through the trade deadline, and obviously we didn't do anything. And now I'm just. That's just like, the worst thing. As bad as this then, team is. Yeah. Now that they I'm did just nothing. like, we're not making the playoffs, and we can't even tank correctly. So mm-hmm. it's like I have nothing to root for. We're just stuck in this limbo, and it's just like, uh. Yeah, I I, I shifted in the off season mode pretty early, um, with everything that was going on off the field. It felt weird, like watching sports and just talking about nonstop. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I like, I was like, I, I can't live tweet games. I was like, it just, it feels weird. So that kind of just got me in the off season mode early and then that sucks. So that also helped to it. 
Um, but I'm excited for the playoffs, man. Like the Marlins are fun. The White Sox are fun. The Padres are fun. Uh, the Rays are like, there's a lot of fun stuff that can happen. And you heard it here first. The Miami Marlins will beat the Dodgers in a three game series if they play each other. Wow, that's a hot take right there. Heard it here first. Sixto Sanchez is going to outdo Kershaw, and then it's just a like it's just a two game series after that. Anything can happen. It's the Marlins. You heard it here first. Really, it would be a one game series. Well, no, because if they win the first one, right? So it's, it's yeah, it's best two out of three. It's well, it's one for the Marlins, but it'd be still just be two for. Oh, I guess two games here. Yeah. Yeah. So you win one. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. There's something. We'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. Yeah, um, it's just going to be a lot of interesting and fun things to watch in the playoffs. I just always find it so depressing to watch. I mean, I do it anyway, but I'm always like slightly depressed watching playoffs when my team's not in them, and I find it harder to. to I find it harder to pay attention. I think it's so much more <laughs> carefree. But. It is. There is something to that. There's something to, about like having no dog in the fight and being able to just enjoy good baseball or good hockey or whatever and not be so emotionally invested. That is nice. And it's one of the things I love about baseball anyway. It's just like the long regular season is being able to just be like, okay, well, we'll get them tomorrow. And not living and dying on everything. But the playoffs are just so much fun. It's impossible if you're a fan of a sport not to enjoy the playoffs, whether your team's in them or not. It's the best teams, and so you're seeing really good baseball and not having to feel so dejected if one team loses is nice, too. All right. Should we do our fair or foul segment next? Yes. We have a special fair or foul this week. In case you guys have not heard us do it before, fair or foul is a monthly segment here on Half Street Hot Heat. I am going to read out a statement. Um, If Nick and Amanda agree with it, they will say fair, a quick one-sentence why. If they disagree, they'll say foul in their one-sentence why. This one is more special because each statement that I'm going to say for you guys is a user-submitted statement from our Ooh, heater. fun. Yes, so all of these are user-submitted. Um, if I remember to say their Twitter handle, I will. If not, just listen knowing, that was my question. <laughs> so, who's ready to rock and roll? I'm ready. I was born right. ready. Let's do it. So, our first one, fair or foul? Patrick Corbin will not finish his contract as a member of the Washington Nationals. Um, Ryan, Fair. Please, please say the, the Twitter <coughs> handle. Uh, this is from at Half Shack Cap. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> sounds, like a great, sounds like a great guy. You're um, submitting questions on our user-submitted segment. In my defense, I am a user, right? So I qualify. There um, you go. Fair. I wanted to present this to obviously uh, garner a conversation, but uh, my one sentence, Patrick Corbin's contract extends longer than the Nats' realistic championship window, and therefore you should trade him to get some value in in return. Yeah, I'm going to go fair on this as well. I think they're going to at some point have to shed some of this money they have invested in starting pitchers in order to be competitive. So. As much as I love Corbin, he was awesome for us in the World Series um, victory. But, you know, I don't think he has the emotional connection to the team, which obviously the team holds on to the people they're emotionally connected to sometimes more and longer than they should. But I I think fair. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it's between him and Strauss, and you're not trading Strauss. He just means no. too much to the franchise, so they're trading Corbin. Yep. Yeah, I, I say fair as well. Um, moving on to our next question. It comes from at one lovely lady C, um, my personal favorite heater, my Animal Crossing mm-hmm. friend. Um, if you have Animal <laughs> Crossings, please find my island. I need DIYs. Please message me. Is it Thanks. still five right. stars? Uh, please. It's a five-star uh, fall. It's fall, y'all. It is a fall extravaganza. But getting back to topic, um, <clears throat> fair or foul, one of Victor Robles or Carter Keboom will not be on the team next season. Mm. That's a good one. This is a good one. I can't. I might go foul on this, but I think the following season, one of them will be gone. And I think it'll be Robles, because I think he's going to be trade bait. I swear to God, if if we trade Robles in two years... I'm telling you, they're going to do it. Even everyone, they- everyone, literally everyone said, we can't trade Robles for anybody. Robles right. is untouchable he's off the because table. of his contract. Right. Blah, 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 blah. And we missed out on Nolan Arenado because of this. I am going to lose it. You already did just now lose it just on the possibility. And I am telling you, Robles eventually is going to be traded. It'll probably be before they trade Matt, for Christ's sake. Well, Matt has no trade value. He sucks. So. Well, like you said, he's a, he can play defense, and there's some value in that. Nah, there's, there's decent Red value. Sox haven't been able, Red Sox haven't been able to trade Jackie Bradley Jr. They haven't mind. wanted to. They got good offers for him, but they said no. Change my mind. <laughs> All right. Moving on, this one uh, does not come from a heater. I wish that she was a heater. I actually saw this in an athletic article from Brittany Gabag- G something. I can't pronounce her last name. <laughs> the Gabagool. <laughs> the Gabagool. <laughs> All right. We'll have to get her on the pod, and she can, she can pronounce it for us. She uh, ruined Dan Clark that one time. That oh, funny. yeah, she did. Brittany oh, that G. was so funny. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Brittany, Brittany G, if you're listening, come on, come on the pod. You're not listening, but please listen All and right. then come on the pod. Um, <laughs> fair or foul, no more than one of Ryan Zimmerman, Howie Kendrick, Annabelle Sanchez, Adam Eaton, Kurt Suzuki, Sean Doolittle will be back next season. Oh, this is a good one. I'm going to go fair on this as you name those names. Zimmerman, Kendrick, Sanchez, Eaton, Suzuki, and Doolittle. I think. I, I'm going God, fair. I'm the only this. person who's coming back is them. Them, yeah. I'm looking at this list. Like, um, there's no. I don't think Doolittle's back. I don't think they're going to pick up Eaton's option. Suzuki. So in, in the yeah. article, um, in case you guys did not see it, she talked about how change is coming. Howie Kendrick has a six and a half million dollar contract. I mean, sorry, option. They're going to buy him out, and there's a good chance he retires. Sanchez is gone. Adam Eaton has a $10.5 million option. It's going no to be yeah. Um Kurt Suzuki will more than likely retire. Sean Doolittle, his wife basically said goodbye on it, on Twitter. Um, he's gone. So I don't think he'll be back either. I think Zim's the only one who's back. And there's some possibility Zim might not come back. I mean, after having a year off, do you really think he's going to want to go through the grind again? I don't know. They, she did talk about that in the article. Um, Zim has no idea what the future holds for him. He could retire. He, the team could move on. Um, anyways, there's going to be a lot of change for this team. So I, yes. I like this very foul. I'm going to say foul. I think Zim is back, and I, 
I don't okay. want it. I don't want to put it in the universe, but I know they're going to do it. They're going to decline Eaton's option and bring him back for cheaper. That could happen. I was thinking the same thing about Kendrick. If he decides to play another year, they yeah, if, if decline Kendrick, his option and bring him back on a one-year yeah, deal. If he wants to play. If he wants to play, he will play for the Nats. I agree. Yeah. So. All right. All right. Moving on to our next one. This one comes from at Nats Post. He says, fair or foul, Max Scherzer will be traded this off season. Foul. He no chance. He purposely yeah. did that just to make Amanda mad. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. No, there's no way they're going to trade him. I don't think they're going to trade him ever, let they alone should. this off season. Well, I mean, you could argue that they should, and they should, you know, but they won't. He's going. He's going to finish <laughs> his career here and go into the Hall of Fame as a Nat. That's he's never getting traded. Can yeah. I can I submit a uh, counter fair foul? All right. This one comes from at half shack. <laughs> Yet again, <laughs> one of the best heaters out there. Um, Fair or foul, Max Scherzer will re-sign with the Nats after his current contract is up. Foul. Oh, I'll say fair. I can see a one-year $12 million contract. I say fair. Yep. You I think, think so? I think, I think so. I think he'd want to retire. I don't know. Maybe not. He is now, a nutbag. Max Scherzer? Are you kidding me? He doesn't gonna, even want to miss a start. He's going to be like Tom Brady, 45 years old out there. Everyone's like, dude, retire. And he's like, I still got it in the tank. When he he's probably going to still be pumping ninety ninety one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it happened, but I guess, you know, and I guess the question is, would they want to bring him back? And it would suck if he signed somewhere else on a one-year deal because he didn't want to hang him up. But I don't know. It's it just by the end of this contract, I think I, I can't see his performance being at a level where they would want to bring him back, but maybe for $12 million or something like that. I don't know. I'm still going to say foul, but I, I could see it happening, but. All right, I all don't right. think so. Uh, moving on, our next one comes from Tyler. His new at is at Juan Soto. Thank you for your questions. I did not know you changed your at. He says, <laughs> the Nats will overspend on Robbie Ray and fill Robbie the rest Ray. of the roster with low-tier free agents. Huh. I'm going to go foul on this. Didn't he, just, didn't he just get traded to the Blue Jays? He's a free agent in this season. Okay, so, okay. And wasn't he having a crappy season? I don't know his numbers, but my yeah, but vague he, impression is that he's having a crappy season. People love lefties, though. He was bad in Arizona, so a lot of people kind of just look at the road stats. Um, the Nats did look at him at the trade deadline, and they love low-tier free agent veterans, so the logic is there. I'm going to say foul because I feel like next year they kind of just let Ross and Fetty go in the rotation the whole year, even though Fetty's experiment should be done. But yeah, I'd say foul, but I I would say maybe they don't get Robbie Ray, but they will fill the roster with low-tier free agents. So in that sense, it's fair. I completely agree. Complete. <laughs> I, I was just about to say that. That's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. I, All I, right. Nobody loves anything in this world more than Rizzo loves low-tier free agents. Um, Sorry, I looked at my TV and some guy came skydiving in with, like, fireworks off him in the football game. It was very distracting. That um, is distracting. <laughs> Our next fair or foul comes from Kai. He says, fair or foul, if the Nationals miss the postseason 2021, it is time to rebuild. Uh, it already is. Let's be real. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I, I think if they miss the postseason next year, then, I mean, they should be doing more of a rebuild now. But if they miss the postseason next year, absolutely fair. All right. Moving on. This one is also from Kai. He says, fair or foul. 
the max contract will bite and Strauss contract may have been a mistake. Oh, foul. Bear. I mean, it's, I don't think the max contract bites because it, he's probably been the best free agent contract ever, for, at least in, in baseball. Um, and so you just, obviously it stinks that he's still on the books for the next, what, 10 years at post, mm -hmm. you know, con like his playing time. But in the end, it, it was worth it. it like when you, you got the deal done to, to get him to DC and it led you to a world series. But that second part, that Strauss contract may have been a mistake. I love the guy, man, favorite player. And like it's similar, like you got the deal done. You like you paid him what it took to get him back. But that one, I don't think it's going to turn out like Max. Yeah, we we talked about it. Um, I found that very analytically driven article I told you guys about. Mm -hmm. I think the Strauss one sucks. I mean, it doesn't suck. Like signing Strauss was it's going to be rough. It yeah. was the right move. You had to pay your guy, and Strauss has always been your guy, yeah. and you rewarded him for the World Series MVP. I get it. It may be questionable at the end of the contract. Max? Yeah, most, I, most contracts are. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, exactly. It's so like, Max, you got enough out of it in the first five years where if he's bad the next two years, yeah, it sucks because he's going to be the highest paid players in baseball, but at the same time, what you got out of that from the first five years will completely offset that. Now, yeah. Paying him fifteen million year, fifteen million a year for the next seven years—that's a different story. Um, <laughs> it depends how the Nats are going to feel about that after the COVID losses, but they got enough out of Strauss. So, sorry, out of, or out of Max, Max, yeah, yeah. All right, moving. So on. hold on, wait, 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 before we move on from that one, I just want to point out my take on Max's contract is very similar to yours, Ryan, and I think to how many of the best moments in franchise history are tied to Max? Like, Zero. there's nothing you could say. Oh, what do you mean zero? The, the no-hitters? <laughs> the perfect game that was a perfect game, and I don't care what you say um, because Matt Williams is the devil. Danny Espinosa hit two grand slams in one week. Talk to me when Max does that. <laughs> yeah, I know. God, he's such a slacker. But the, the, the 20 strikeout game, the bloody nose game, like there's so – or the broken nose game, like there's so many moments that are just amazing for Max that nothing will ever make that contract feel wrong to me. The Strauss one, you know, it, it's a little bit more questionable because – of his injury history. Max has always been so durable and Strauss, you just worry that, you know, if, if he stays even reasonably healthy, I don't think that's a mistake, but if he just stays injured pretty much continuously through, you know, big injury at least once a year, then, then I think you could make that argument that you paid your guy and you had to do it to get him, but it may not turn out as well as the Max contract. Yeah. I think that's very well said. Um, only two no-hitters, so I don't know how much that's actually worth. But um, I digress. Moving yeah, on. I mean, Homer Bailey has two as well. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um... so I don't know. <laughs> so basically, Max is Homer Bailey is what we're saying. Yeah. Literally. Um, a Homer. <laughs> hey, <Lou. laughs> uh, next one comes from Kai, again, at Kalut. Still don't know how to say your name. Uh, you're at, man. Um, <laughs> fair or foul? The Nats will be in on a big name in free agency, but settle for mid-tier players. <laughs> fair. fair. That's always the Nats. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Smash that fair button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's their whole brand. <laughs> I'll even go one step further. They're going to be in on JT Real Muto, but settle for James McCann. I mean, James McCann's pretty good, so I'll take that. 
All right. Yeah. That's, not, that's, that's an upgrade. Not There's nothing that's we're not discussing is not an upgrade. That's not who I was thinking, but Alex Avila. Yeah, that thank you. That's who I was thinking. <laughs> all right, is that all I of them a, or do we have more? Uh, no, we got more. Oh. Um I have a special podcast visitor right here on me now. Um <laughs> Our next fair or foul comes from at one pursuit takes. He says fair or foul. Mike Rizzo's room for error is marginal in the next two years if he wants to stay a contender. Is this to imply that he has a low margin of error? I think saying that he has a high margin of error right now, but like he's got to be like spot on the next two years. Gotcha. Uh, um, yeah, I'd say fair on this, I guess. If um. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have some of the the wiggle room he did before. So, you know, and I think we're we're seeing things. Max's career is waning at this point, and, you know, you've got a lot of change coming, as we discussed in one of the earlier fairer fouls. You know, you, you're going to have to not only pick up the right players, but, you know, get that sort of clubhouse chemistry right, and I think that's going to be tough with so many players leaving. So... With this, it's I. He definitely has like little little room for error if he wants to remain a contender. But that being said, he considered the Nats to be contenders at this deadline, which is <laughs> a, a complete joke. Um, however, right in years past, Mike Rizzo's shortcomings, and there haven't been all that many, but they've been you know covered up by the fact that we've had superstar talent you know, dominant started pitching, you know, consistently good teams or at least on paper good teams. Now we're entering this new phase, and it kind of hinted by the um, the athletic article about, you know, changes coming to the Nats. Like, we, aren't, we don't have the benefit of back-to-back number one picks. And, like, say what you want about Harper, but, you know, he was arguably the part of getting the Nats turned around. And so is Steven Strasburg. So now Rizzo is really going to have to work to prove himself, in my opinion, because you don't have, you know, those high picks that panned out. We got three in a row. In our first yeah, with Rendon. Yeah. With Rendon. And, I mean, not just, like, they panned out. Like, they panned They became superstars. Out. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if any team – I mean, I don't know every team's draft off the top of my head, but I, I would – put those three drafts in a row of the best three first round picks, you know, consecutively from any team. And of course they, you know, won a world series because of it, even though Bryce wasn't here. So Rizzo's really going to have to prove himself as a good GM. So I completely agree that this is fair that, you know, he doesn't have much room for error. So who are the best, who are the best prospects in this upcoming draft since we suck so much? This draft is loaded oh my god i am so excited for this draft i do not want them to win another game this year but amanda since you were not here um the consensus number one over pick is kumar rocker um he is getting comps to strauss he's the best pitching prospect to come out since strauss and strauss was the best pitching prospect to ever enter the draft um there's also brady house who i want who is a power third baseman he has 60 gray power um and he also throws 95 as a pitcher there's um i can't remember his name oh, hey, his first name starts at judd um he's outfielder from florida and the number two overall pick is a lefty from vanderbilt who's got 
stupid stuff. Yeah. So this draft is good. That that Van, Vanderbilt guy, he has positional flexibility too. Like he plays shortstop, which I, I mean we don't need, but plays shortstop, second base, and outfield, and does all about above average defense. Wow, at all. that's so. great versatility. Somebody can play infield and outfield. That's awesome. Yeah, with power too. Yeah. Well, it sounds like since we suck so much, we're gonna get a good good guy in the draft at I know, least. I'm so excited. <laughs> Gotta be excited about something. Balling on the tank. All right. Our last fair or foul. I cannot remember who submitted this, so I do apologize to you. Fair or foul. The Nationals will not make the postseason again until after 2023. Foul. I refuse to accept that even if it makes sense, so foul for me. Um, if they don't make it next year, fair. I think next year is their last great chance to make the playoffs. So... Mm -hmm. So this does not include 2023? It would be 2024? I guess so. Okay. I'm going to say foul then, just because that's three years, and that's how long I viewed this realistic window, even though that window is pretty much closed at this point, in my opinion. Uh, but you never know. Like, they caught fire in a bottle last year. And, yes, we don't have Rendon, I understand, but you just never know. You know, you get hot at the right time, something can happen. But this isn't even winning the World Series. This is just making the playoffs. So you just never know what kind of fluke years might happen. The Mets are a dumpster fire. They always will be. The Marlins, you know, might suck again next year. Phillies can never get it together. And, you know, then you do, you're you really just competing for a wild card spot in the division with the Braves. So I'll say foul, but I don't love our chances either. Yikes, that's depressing as hell. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be real interesting. We completely glossed over, but Ryan, I don't want to steal your thunder, but the the Marlins fans rooting that they still have games le left against the Nats, hilarious. Yeah, hilarious. Cheering, I should say, yeah. Oh, how the turntables! Oh, yeah, how the yeah. turntables! Yes. So this has been fair or foul? A special fair or foul that has been user submitted. Um, if you guys have any podcast, uh, sorry, segment ideas, or any questions, you can always let us know. We'll make sure to include them. Changing gears a little bit, uh, Nick and I, during the week, sat down with Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. That's you best friend, Matt Wyrick. Best friend, best friend of the show. Um, we're gonna you guys start. are so capricious. Everyone's <laughs> your best friend. We're, gonna, we're starting a fantasy football podcast. Yeah, we're, we're doing the fantasy football nice. podcast, so um, you tell me what that means. So, yeah. Um, it's a great interview. We get into about what the offseason can include, um, what's next for Davey and Trey, as well as a bunch of other really cool topics. Uh, just like Fair or Foul, we talk about the change that is coming to this franchise and hope you guys enjoy. What's up, everyone? We're joined by Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. You can give him a follow on Twitter at by. Matt Wyrick. Matt, how are you doing today, man? Pretty good, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Of course. Yeah, it's always great thanks for coming a, back. A friend of the pod. Yeah, it's always nice to know that people don't get too pissed off by us the first time, that they'll come back a second time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've still been thinking about what you said about the DH and the Padres uniforms, but, you know, I guess I'll let you slide. <laughs> <laughs> well, glad you can put that aside and join us again. Um, so just going to dive right into the biggest news of the week and probably the season for the Nats. 
Um, this week they announced that they signed Mike Rizzo to a three-year contract extension. Um, now the other big question that they have is Dave Martinez. Um, where do things stand with that, and do you think that Dave is not only just going to be back here next year, um, but potentially long-term? Well, he's got a team option for next season, so I fully expect the Nationals to pick that up and bring him back next year. I mean, this is just kind of the merry-go-round that we've seen with the Nationals and their coaches. You know, they, they really do let these contracts go to the very end before making that decision. That's just kind of been the learner way. So even with Rizzo getting signed, you know, Rizzo was, a, I guess you could call it a free agent uh, after this season. The, the time was kind of running out for them. Uh, to get that deal done, they do. And the first thing Rizzo does in this press conference uh, is stump for Davey to get an extension as well. So I don't know if that puts the pressure on the ownership to get a deal done by this year or, or the start of next season. Uh, but I do fully expect him to come back. I mean, you know, he led the team to a World Series. So I, I really don't think that there's anything he could do to kind of you know, bring his stock down. Now, the real question is, is will the Nationals be willing to pay him enough because they've notoriously not paid managers very much, at least what the market price demands. And part of the reason that they were able to get Davey Martinez is because he had never been a, a manager before. So, uh, you know, this is going to be kind of uncharted waters for the Nationals in that they kind of have to pay up now. Uh, so we'll see if they actually want to do that. I think that might be the, the biggest sticking point. But uh, I do fully expect Davey to be back once his contract is up. Yeah, I, I can see it playing out like that. And it's interesting with this kind of team option because I, I applied to now the Washington football team where they let Kirk Cousins continually play under the franchise tag. That's kind of how I view Davey next year. It, it, it's just my prediction. I, I don't know anything. Anyone's guess is as good as mine. But it's my prediction that they're going to let Davey play out on sort of this franchise tag, this club option next year, and then decide that, you know, how much to pay him after that. Um, can you see this contract with the manager, with the World Series manager? Uh, do you see that one going down to the wire too, like they do with so many other guys? Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, the coronavirus pandemic can't help that either. You know, right. the, the, a lot of contracts being prorated on the player level, uh, but certainly the Nationals, if they can afford, you know, have this contract, be much cheaper for the next year while they try to recoup some of that lost revenue uh, from this season. They probably want to have Davey play on, on this lower level contract just so that they don't have to, uh, you know, budget and, and cut costs other ways. So I fully expect them to go into next season still without a contract, uh, but for them to have it worked out, you know, if not by the end of the season, then right after the season ends. Yeah. I mean, I can see it. It's just, like, you make a great point because before, I, I love to bring up how they tried to hire Bud Black before they ended up mm -hmm. hiring Dusty, and they only hired Dusty because Dusty's just one of those rare guys who just loves the game and doesn't really care about, you know, how much money he's making. Like, he, look how mm -hmm. everyone forgets he's he's the manager of the Astros right now. Like, he, he doesn't care what his situation is. He just wants to play baseball. But the Nats, I mean, we've seen it in the past decade. They just never pay their managers. So it's going to be interesting for me at least, to, to see how these negotiations with Davey pan out. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that the Nationals want to move on. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I pointed this out on Twitter a couple of days. They had that hot stretch last year after May 24th, uh, and, you know, they, they rip off a bunch of wins, but 
Other than that stretch over the past three years with Davey as the manager, they have a sub-500 record by at least 20 games. So, you know, they've underperformed in a lot of different points. Now, you can point to, to injuries this year as being a big contributor, and back in 2018, mm -hmm. there were certainly a ton of injuries that year, too. So, you know, you can't attribute that all to Davey, but, you know, I think the Nationals, they very well could uh, wait out next year, and if he has another, if the Nationals don't have another great year, you know, they can point to say, hey, look, you got hot one time, uh, but we need sustained success at this point. Uh, and it wouldn't be the first time that a team has let, you know, a manager walk. I mean, we saw what happened with Joe Madden uh, and the Chicago Cubs and how they just never were able to return to that World Series after making it back in 2016. And they progressively were making it one, two around in the playoffs until last year when they missed it all together. So, uh, you know, if the Nationals go uh, and, and don't make the playoffs again next year, you know, maybe the Nationals do consider moving on from him. I, I don't expect them to, but you also expect the Nationals to rebound from where they have been this year and be much better once they get everyone healthy. So uh, there, there's a lot to consider here with Davies' contract. I don't think it's cut and dry. Kind of with Rizzo, you fully expected him to be re-signed. I mean, you know, just because he's been with the team so long and he's had so many years where the team has been successful. I mean, all of these division titles since 2012, that's all been, you know, his work in the making. You Even if the team had a down year this year and even if it, uh, you know, had a down year next year, and they gave him a one-year deal or something, you'd expect them to get some kind of long-term uh, situation figured out just because of his track record of success in Washington. So earlier you mentioned the losses from COVID and how the learners may try to coincide that and make up for those losses. Um, this is a pretty big off-season for the Nationals' future, especially maybe even Davies' future. Do you see these COVID losses impacting how they go about this free agency, or are they just going to put that aside and realize the urgent need for a bat in this offense and go out and sign that big bat? Well, the Nationals have made it clear they don't want to go over the luxury tax, so that right there is kind of your, uh, I guess, limit in, in what they can spend. And they're, they're getting some money off the books this year uh, with a couple of these free agents uh, leaving. Notably, Howie Kendrick might be gone, uh, considering he has a mutual option. Uh, um, but the big one, I think, is, is Adam Eaton. I think that's really going to determine how much they really can spend because Adam Eaton has a $10.5 million option for next year. And obviously, with him having a down year this season, you might be inclined to let him walk and, and not pay him for $10.5 million or try to you know, not pick up the option and then renegotiate something. So uh, if they can save a couple of dollars there, I mean, I don't think there's any reason why they shouldn't be in the running for both JT Real Muto and George Springer this offseason, who are the two biggest bats on the market. I mean, we've seen the, awesome love the offense this year has obviously not performed where they wanted it to be. Starlin Castro, as good as he, has, he was, he, he wasn't a middle-of-the-order bat, and they need somebody to really compliment Juan Soto and you know, whether it's George Springer in right field or Real Muto behind the plate, I think those two should be their top options. Completely agree. I mean, we've seen it, obviously, going from our, probably the best 3-4 uh, combo last year with Rendon and Soto to Soto and whoever just happens to have the hot hand that day uh, is, you know, going from everything to, to almost nothing. So we definitely need another bat. But we've seen in, in you know, uh, recent history where teams may miss out on the top free agents, but then pivot to, you know, locking up their own guys. 
And I'm going to bring up Trey Turner here. Obviously, this year, shortened season, we finally hit, seen him hit this stretch that everyone knew he was capable of, um, you know, torching through the month of August. Uh, do you, obviously, there, there's been some negotiations between the two. Uh, Trey Turner, not a free agent for two more seasons. Do you see that as a possibility if the Nats don't get a real Muto or a Springer, any of these top free agents? Do you see the likelihood of Trey uh, signing an extension uh, increasing, or, you know, is this going to be another situation where they let it go down to the wire? Well, I think that the closer we get to free agency for Turner, the less likely it is that we're going to see an extension. Now, you know, that's pretty obvious in most free agents there in that situation, but uh, my colleague Chase Hughes wrote about this yesterday uh, of how the shortstop market is about to explode. Right now, the two highest mm-hmm. paid shortstops in all of baseball are Xander Bogarts and Elvis Andrus, who are both on $120 million deals. That is about that market is about to completely change uh, with mm-hmm. Javier Baez, Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story, all of these top shortstops that are going to be hitting the market in the next two seasons. They're going to completely change the landscape. And it's kind of like what we saw with Nolan Arenado and Anthony Rendon last year, or was it two years ago, I believe, uh, where Arenado signs his $260 million extension uh, and all of a sudden Rendon's market completely changed. Before that, he was having his contract compared to that of Jose Altuve's, uh, which was in the $150 million range, I believe, yeah. somewhere around there. So it completely changed the price range for what it would take to bring Rendon in, considering that Rendon had been compared. Oh, he's you know he's one of the top third basemen. The Nationals themselves have been touting him as the best third baseman in baseball over uh, Arenado. So there was just really no way uh, that the Nationals were going to be able to throw anything under $200 million at him after that point. So with Turner, there might actually be some urgency on the National side if they really do want to extend him and get somewhat of a team-friendly deal on it to try and do it now, if not you know, this offseason, before we start seeing all of these big names uh, go and, and earn these big contracts and, and push Turner's price up. Now, a lot of analysts have said that Turner actually isn't in that top echelon of shortstops. He's kind of been just because shortstops are so good right now, uh, mm-hmm. where Turner was kind of underneath them. But now he's starting to play like them. We're really seeing that offense, offensive potential uh, come through in a way that we really haven't seen since his rookie season. Uh, and, if, you know, going into an offseason on these numbers, it certainly raised his value a bit. So uh, if the Nationals do want to lock him up, I think there should be an urgency to even do that before they go into this offseason. Uh, when, if you you know, so that way you know how much do I have to spend on Real Muto or Springer or whoever you want to, to sign. Because Scherzer's uh, contract is going to be up after next year. You obviously have Juan Soto and Victor Robles as candidates for extensions down the line. So you want to try and lock up Turner as soon as possible so that you know what you're going to be working with uh, and you don't have to really break open the bank for him. Yeah, and that was going to be my, my next question, which you kind of just answered, because you know, Nats fans love Trey Turner. I love Trey Turner. Everybody loves Trey Turner. But you look in comparison to guys like Francisco Lindor, even Xander Bogarts, Trevor Story, and he's still very good, but not quite on their level. So if all these guys are about to hit free agency, you know, there might be usually it's those second tier guys that set the market for the top tier guys like Strasburg set the market for Cole. I mean, that that's just one recent example, and you, you provided how mm-hmm. Arenado kind of helped out Rendon there. So I, I completely agree. I think if they want to get, one, Trey extended, but two, quote-unquote, a, a team-friendly deal, the best deal possible for the team, 
I, I think he needs to be one of those first guys to fall. And that's only going to help, you know, Trevor Story and all of those guys down the road. But for the Nats purposes, I, I think Trey Turner should be their number one priority uh, this offseason just because also you can't afford to lose another position player. Like I, I think uh, Trey talked about it in an interview uh, a few days ago, like how nice would it be to be the first pay- position player that the Nats decide to pay? Yeah, I mean, just think about what their lineup looked like in 2018. Trey Turner, Daniel Murphy, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, all in one lineup. I mean, the fact that they didn't make a a playoffs with that and and the fact that their offense is performing the way it is now and just two years ago, they had all of those bats and they're now down to two. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think that the, you know, their biggest biggest priority needs to be shoring up that lineup because they've invested so much in their pitching staff and, you know, that's going to be volatile. I think, you know, mm-hmm. there are going to be years, if you're really invested in pitching, there are going to be years when, you know, if one of those three guys doesn't pan out, you're suddenly looking at, uh, you know, an albatross of a contract taking up uh, space on either your IL or, you know, the back end of your rotation, kind of like what we're seeing with Anibal Sanchez right now. Uh, and Patrick Corbin hasn't even been pitching up to his level. So you, mm-hmm. you really need to focus on that uh, lineup now with the, the little bit of money that you have left uh, and, and, you know, Trey Turner is certainly at the forefront of that. You know, Matt, I, I was having a good day until you brought up that 2018 lineup, and now I'm just sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, man. It, it kind of reminds me, of, if you look back at the Tigers roster and the fact that oh, they yeah. were back from Scherzer. And all, you, you just Price, all the names Verlander, yeah, Sanchez. Oh, man. Victor Martinez, Miguel Cabrera, Joe Nathan was their closer. I mean, J.D. Martinez. They never won a World Series. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, you know, I don't think the Nats 2018 squad will live in infamy like that just because they won the World Series the following year, but it definitely hurts to look back and just be like, man, they really had all those names and they couldn't do anything with it. Um, switching gears just a little bit, uh, we know that Mike Rizzo loves adding veterans in season who got released from other teams. Uh, last year we had Cabrera and Para, and this year it appears that veteran is Brock Holt, who's actually been playing rather well. Um, what type of impact has he had not only on the field but also in the clubhouse that's helped the Nats win four out of their last five? Yeah, I mean, Holt's been uh, a lightning rod for him, at least offensively so far. Uh, they probably weren't expecting him to have this kind of start. I mean, he had two hits and 30 plate appearances uh, before coming over uh, when, when he was with the Brewers. So uh, it definitely was a poor start for him. But over the past couple of games, he's started to rip off a bunch of hits. In fact, he's riding a five-game streak of multi-hit games, which is the longest such streak uh, since Ryan Zimmerman did it uh, in 2017 uh, for the Nationals. So offensively, he's been huge for them. And honestly, when we get to tonight's lineup, I really wouldn't be surprised, especially with Howie Kendrick just landing on the injured list. Wouldn't be surprised if Brock Holt ended up in the top of the order, maybe you know somewhere around Juan Soto and Trey Turner, uh, maybe batting fifth. So it, it's going to be interesting to watch. Off the field, he's kind of – Davey Martinez compared him to Brian Dozier, uh, which has to be – you know, if any Nats fan knows that that is high praise uh, out of Davey <laughs> for what Brian Dozier brought to the clubhouse last year, uh, just kind of being that energy guy, somebody who was friends with everybody, really connected connected well. And so far, Holt apparently uh, is a big singer, even though he doesn't have the best voice for it. Davey uh, mentioned how he, he said he needs to 
see if he's tone deaf or not because apparently he wants to be a country singer after he hangs up the cleats. So, uh, yeah, it, it apparently worked out well. He's fit in really well with that clubhouse. I mean, the Nationals, they have a loose clubhouse. They're, they're kind of a group that takes everybody in, uh, and, and all you kind of have to do is find your, your fit, and that's exactly what Brock Holt has done, and they've really enjoyed having him. Yeah, I would say it's also sort of an indictment. I, I'm not sure if that, that's the proper word to use, but, you know, you bring in uh, not only Brock Holt, but Josh Harrison uh, after the season starts, and they're instantly our third and fourth best hitters on the team. So, yeah, I, I hope this offseason proves a little bit better. But we actually did our uh, a segment last episode talking about our biggest surprises and disappointments. And I guess most of the surprises for the Nets are how many disappointments there are. Um, but <laughs> one guy we talked about was Luis Garcia. Obviously, you know, we thought we might see him this year. But as far as what we thought we might see from him, I think he's already exceeded expectations. Is there any, um, you know, plan sense of urgency to you know get him regular playing time or are is he just kind of going to fall into the rotation with you know now Brock Holt Josh Harrison in addition to you know Keyboom Cabrera and all those other guys well you you've got if you're looking at next season you're going to be without Holt Harrison possibly Howie Kendrick Estrubal Cabrera Eric Thames has a mutual option for next year Ryan Zimmerman is not signed for next year so there's a lot of openings in the infield right now where if the Nationals feel that Garcia is ready to handle an everyday job, they probably would be able to fit him in. I mean, obviously you have Trey Turner locked in at short, Sterling Castro at second, and then there's a question of can Carter Keeboom still handle it at third. Uh, maybe you figure out some kind of situation where, where Keeboom and Garcia split time there. Garcia is a lefty, Keeboom a righty, so maybe you work out a platoon job for them. Uh, now, you would kind of like to get them everyday playing time. The Nationals have been very big on that. They don't like to bring up their prospects until they can play every day. So, you know, the Carter Keeboom situation, I think, is really significant. They've brought him back. They plan to play him at third base the entire rest of the season, uh, moving Estrubal Cabrera around a little bit more. So I think they want to see what they have in Keeboom before they make any kind of decisions on that. But certainly, Luis Garcia is having the kind of season they were hoping for out of Keeboom. Uh, and you start to get to a point where if Kibum continues to struggle and Garcia produces, albeit it, it hasn't been you know anything otherworldly out of him. He's he's hitting 293 with a 707 OPS this year, so it, it's not something crazy out of Garcia or anything like that. But he, he's a slick fielder, can play multiple positions, has played third in the past. So you would think that if Kibum doesn't work out, Garcia is kind of the fallback plan. But eventually, you're going to get to a point where you kind of have to make a decision on Garcia. Uh, and, and you might not be able to wait for Starlin Castro's contract to be up. Yeah. It, it's just interesting because obviously we know uh, historically they don't like to bring up their guys until, you know, like you said, they can get regular playing time. But it just seems like every day I'm checking the lineup to see where Garcia is batting. Is he bumped up at all? And it's like he's either eighth, ninth, or just not in the lineup at all. So just curious on that mm -hmm. one. Yeah, I think just him being 20 years old, has kind of let them feel like, okay, we can you know take things slow with him. I mean, it's not like the Nationals really have any alternative for getting him reps right now, considering there's no minor leagues. Yeah, that's true. You might true. say that Garcia would probably be in the minors right now and never have even gotten called up just because you know they could have gotten Josh Harrison, Brock Holt, guys to fill in those those spots for him. 
uh, in a full regular season when Garcia could have gotten those reps in the minors. And they might feel that next year, okay, we'll just send him back down and he'll get that, uh, you know, everyday playing time in the minors. And then if we get an injury or something, he comes up. Uh, it just kind of depends on, you know, what Keeboom does and how they feel about him. Because, you know, I thought for a little bit that they might consider trading him at the trade deadline uh, a couple, last week or two weeks ago. Um, but as soon as they sent him down, which I guess sending down means sending him to that alternative site in Fredericksburg, uh, as soon as they took him off the active roster, his trade value was completely shot. I mean, it, it really showed you that the Nationals were actually invested in Keeboom because if they really wanted to trade him and maintain, oh, he's a high pro- top prospect, but he has you know just not played well, they keep him in the majors and then trade him from there. That way his, his, he doesn't have that knock on his resume. The fact that they moved him down shows that they really are still invested in his future. They really wanted him to go down there and work, and they were going to bring him back up and just let him play it out. So they still are, at least on the outside, showing that they are firm believers in Keyboom and still think he can turn it around. So some of the other young up this year we've seen quite a bit aren't exactly doing as well, and one of the issues that they're going to have to address in the offseason is the rotation. Um, it appears both is going to start tonight, um, I believe his ERA is just a tick under eight. What do you think the future is for him? He's going to be 29 next year, and he can't get out the fourth inning. Do you think they're going to keep giving him shots, or are they going to switch him into a reliever type of pitcher? I think that at this point, he's kind of lost his handle on the job. They're giving him another shot in the rotation. We weren't sure that was going to happen. We only really know it's going to happen because – uh, we saw that they're going to make him available after the game. Uh, so the Avenue, they only just announced that he's going to be starting tonight. So he's getting another shot. I don't know necessarily if his long-term spot is going to be in the rotation. The Nationals do get Joe Ross back next season, uh, which is going to be pretty big for them considering he doesn't have any minor league options. Uh, so they're going to have to keep him in the majors. And considering that both really hasn't impressed, Ross should have every opportunity to join the rotation and show that he's you know, able to come back next year uh, at full strength. And Eric Fetty, while he hasn't been great, he's certainly been better than both. So I would expect Fetty and Ross to be above both on that pecking order right now. And I also expect the Nationals to decline the option uh, on Anibal Sanchez's contract and go into the, into the offseason looking for one or two starters to fortify that rotation. So probably only going to have one spot open uh, after that. So kind of like we saw at the start of this year, uh, with Sanchez, Strasburg, Scherzer, and Corbin handling the top four. So it's probably going to be another fifth starter competition between those three guys next year. I would imagine that both uh, really have to come into camp next year, surprising everybody for him to get that job back, uh, just considering how poorly he's done this year. And like you said, it's, it's getting through that third time through the order has really been tough for him, just you know facing these hitters multiple times. They, they kind of get a read on him, and that's it. So maybe – he does do better in the bullpen. Maybe you, you transition to him to kind of the role that Eric Fetty has had over the past few years, and you give Fetty a shot at uh, competing for that fifth starter job next year with with Ross. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's, uh, go ahead, Ryan. I was just going to say there are a lot of question marks, I feel like, with this rotation. Um, in this season, it was supposed to be a strong suit. I know it's a weird year after having all the work in, the, in October getting ramped up and being shut down and no straws that can add to it, but something that looked like a strength kind of right now is a question mark with Voss not doing as hot. Go ahead, Nick. 
I, I was just going to say it, it was interesting. And Matt, I, I don't know what your perspective on this was that, you know, I know my, at the time Mike Rizzo didn't have, uh, you know, any security with his job at the trade deadline, but it was interesting, you know, at that time they were X amount of games from the eighth spot, let alone the division uphill battle. You know, it was more of a race for the number one pick, not a race for that eighth wild card spot. And they didn't sell anything at the deadline. And matter of fact, they didn't do anything at the deadline. And now you have all those, you know, expiring deals that you could have traded. You're now going to get nothing for them and you're not expecting uh, most of them to come back. This offseason is going to be pretty big for the Nats uh, in many ways with like Trey Turner, but also trying to supplement those losses and even still trying to supplement the loss of Rendon. Do you see the Nats, you know, kind of retooling kind of like what we see the Red Sox do? Uh, we saw do, them do it in 2012 or whatever it was, and now they're kind of doing it again. You know they're going to be good again next year. Do you see the Nats taking that route, or is it just, you know, Mike Rizzo's mindset that we're still a competitor, we're going to act like a competitor, we're always going to be buyers, stuff like that? You know, I think that, Next season is going to be a go-for-it year just because they're going to be in the last year of Scherzer's contract. And, you know, you never know if he's going to turn in a Cy Young season for you, so you don't really want to waste that. Um, so I would imagine that the Nationals go into next year trying to compete. Uh, they, they have Starlin Castro coming back. They're going to have Trey Turner near the end of his deal. Uh, so they're kind of – I hate using this word, but they're kind of closing a window here uh, next year with, with kind of their core – um, and they're not really sure where they kind of go from there. There's a lot of decisions that need to be made uh, that will determine that, and I think a lot of that comes down to this offseason. You know, can they get a guy like Real Muto or Springer to add to their lineup, and, and you know, can they count on Strasburg coming back fully healthy next year? So I think there are a lot of questions that will go into that decision, but I do expect the Nationals to consider themselves contenders going into next year. I mean, if you really look at it, it's a shortened season, and it's hard to draw serious conclusions from a 60-game stretch, uh, as we saw with the Nationals last year. Uh, you know, going 19 and 31, and, and everything like that. You know, they're they're firm believers in that they're a team that over the four, course of a full season would even out and be among the best in the league in terms of making the playoffs. So I, I don't think the Nationals are going to retool yet. I if they do retool, it would be at the trade deadline. Uh, next year after getting up to another poor start, in which case you might see Scherzer traded if they don't think they can work out some kind of extension. Uh, and, you know, maybe some of those other guys, Starlin Castro uh, among them, uh, being traded at the deadline just for that year and then trying to go for it again the year after that. Yeah, I think it's smart. you got to retool at some point. Yeah, I mean, the Nationals have the worst farm system in baseball. Yeah, it, yeah. It's not even – it's not like you've got all these guys coming up. Reinforcements from, from are not on the way. <laughs> no, they absolutely are not. And, and you, it's not like you can make huge trades uh, without having some of those guys. I mean, your best piece going into this year was Carter Keeboom, uh, and, and his value has obviously declined a lot. So, uh, you know, even if they were to want to be buyers at the deadline, it's, it's not like they're going to be making any huge Justin Verlander-type trades. You know, it, it's the Daniel Hudson's and the, the Ruanus Elias's and Hunter Strickland's are kind of guys that they're going to be going after uh, with the farm system that they have. Mm -hmm. mm, Got to love that Hunter Strickland. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the last question I have for you, um, we use a free recording app because we're broke. Uh, you know, 
that college life is great. But the last question I have for you before time runs out it is the most important question that you are going to get probably ever in any interview, and that is, who do you think is the fantasy football MVP this season? It's tough, man. I've got I've got Derrick Henry in one league. Uh, that was the high the highest. I'm in fourth, uh, and the highest pick I had was sixth, which wasn't great. Uh, and I got Derrick Henry with that pick, so I'm very much hoping he's my MVP this year. Um, but the fantasy MVP, I mean, it's hard to go away from McCaffrey uh, with with the year that he had last year and him just being so young. Teddy Bridgewater uh, doesn't really air it out as much uh, as maybe Cam Newton did. I mean, obviously they didn't really get much of Cam Newton last year, but um, McCaffrey definitely going to be a check down target, so he's going to get a ton of PPR catches that will help boost his value. So I can't go away from McCaffrey, but uh, I think Saquon is going to bounce back and have a huge year again this year. So I think the two of them are the clear-cut top two players in fantasy this year. Well, going Chuck, uh, thanks Thanks for the insight, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Well, if you want, want, to, want to pick, I'm also all in on Henry Ruggs uh, this okay. year. Okay, all right. I like win. that one. Uh, that. Offensive Rookie of the Year. I, I think he's literally going to change that entire landscape of the Raiders' offense. Uh, I'm all in on Henry Ruggs the third. While you're here, while you're here, I'll, I'll give you my bold prediction. Are you ready for this? Dak Prescott okay. signs with the Raiders in the off season. You heard it here first. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. They have Marcus Mariota as their backup right now. So if Derek Carr doesn't pan out, they definitely could be looking for somebody new next year. The Cowboys—they've been paying everybody except for Dak, and they just can't seem to come to any kind of conclusion there. So. I, I I do think they get it done, but I don't think they should, to be honest. I, I think Dak is a good quarterback, but I think you've already invested too much in Amari Cooper and in Ezekiel Elliott and several other areas on the roster that, you know what, go bold, let him walk. I thought the Rams should do this with Jared Goff. Uh, I thought they should let him walk, but obviously that has not happened. And they're already regretting the contract, so maybe, yeah. you know, maybe you're on to something there. Yeah, they're both products of the talent around them, not because they're, they're good quarterbacks, just my opinion. <laughs> Ah, we could go on all day. Yeah, we absolutely could. (laughs) Let's start a fantasy football (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Yeah, do it. I'm down. I've got some takes. (laughs) All right, Matt, um, thank you for joining us. Uh, This is your second time on the show, and you're hashtag best friend of the podcast. So thank you for taking time out of your day and joining us. Um, And everyone, you can appreciate you having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure, man. And everyone, you guys can find Matt on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick. And make sure to stop by NBC Sports Washington and check out Matt's comms on the Nats and other D.C. and Maryland sports teams. It's always a great read. Matt, thank you so much, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Take it easy. Yep, See you, Matt. Once again, big thanks to Matt Wyrick for joining us. Um, always a pleasure to talk to him. Best friend of the show. Doesn't matter. He's been on it twice. Um, we're gonna have That's all it pod. takes. That's all it takes. We're not, we're not we, complicated. We, <laughs> talk, we, we talked about fantasy football on the pod. So, like, we're basically going to become – we're going to take over ESPN. Like, he's going to be the new Field Yates. Um, Nick's going to be the new Eric Berry. Um, Nick's favorite person, Eric Berry. And, like, it's hey, just going to – Oh, excuse me. Uh, other football <laughs> player on my mind. Uh, it's just going to be absolute great. You can find him on Twitter at by Matt 
Weirich, and make sure to stop by NBCSportsWashington.com and check out his articles on the Nats and the other DC sports teams. They're all a great read. Once again, thanks to him. I want to get so, him uh, to fill in whenever uh, Amanda's like not here for whatever reason. Whenever, whenever one of us aren't here, he's gonna be our fill-in. Yeah, like, you know how like, one of six seven always has fill-ins. Yeah, I'm down yeah. for that. I'm, <laughs> That's I'm a great idea. I love it. I mean, love it's like, it. I love that. That's great. No, <laughs> I think it's fantastic. I like the I like the chemistry with three people. So I like it when Arthur if one of us is gone, having another having another person. So before we move on, can I just I just saw a keyboard smash come onto the pod doc did your cat walk on your keyboard Ryan? um walk is a understatement <laughs> um, he, he, the keyboard's now his like he, he wanted love in and he was just purring really loudly and i'm like man I'm, I'm i'm trying to thank matt for coming on the show it's a little hard um yeah our, our questions on our doc are a little messed up right now and <laughs> i was just gonna say some things things are happening he's, he's now tearing apart a box right now in case you guys are wondering all right. In case we needed another update. All right. So we've got some Twitter questions. First one is from at Juan Soto. And that is, did you say that's Tyler Snoo? That's Luis Garcia from a couple weeks ago. Oh, God. Oh, Soto okay. season from last year. Soto season, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm like, yeah. I don't know who we're, okay, gotcha. Um, of the guys that are impending free agents this winter, who would you let walk and who would you keep, if any? We kind of we got into some fair or foul. Um, if Howie wants to play, I would bring him back for less than six point five million, um, and just plug him in at DH. Like I always say, this is a business. But if Zim wants to come back and play, find a way to bring him back. He deserves one last year in front of the fans saying goodbye. Um, he he deserves that, and you can do that. Outside of him, no one else. Sorry, outside of them. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Think. Was there anybody else other than this list we had in the parent? Well, who else is on the uh, list? Eric Thames. Thames. Oh yeah, no, that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> can't remember who else. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else either. I think um, Cabrera. Yeah. Yeah, Cabrera. I would bring Cabrera back on a cheap deal. I would. I would wait until like February, like they always do, and like crap, we miss out on everyone. Uh, a sure bull, two million. Come on, bud. <laughs> and just bring him yeah, back. but I would. I mean, he's just serviceable. You know what I mean? He's never gonna knock your socks off. But you, as long as he's not penciled in as a starter, I'm fine. Yeah. If he's if he's a like a rotation guy off the bench, that's a good sign. Yeah, and I guess it also depends. Interesting if if they're gonna have the DH next year in the if National Brock League. Holt comes back. Yeah. Bring back Brock Holt. Yes, yes, that's yeah, the one I he, want back. We would be free agent. He's a free agent, right? Yeah, he's a free agent. I, I'm all for it. I don't we care. The original Brock Holt to DC fans. And now everyone's on. <laughs> yes, back. exactly. Exactly. We hundred percent were, but he's honestly he's Brian Dozier, but he doesn't suck. He's Brian Dozier, but he doesn't Amanda suck. We need to isolate yeah, that. Yeah, you bore me. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. It's late. It's ten thirty at night. I'm old. Um, yeah, I would. Yes, I, I just think we need to isolate the audio of he's Brian Dozier, but he doesn't suck, and you said in the, in the intro for the show. I'm pretty sure I'm not even the first one to say that, but I'm taking credit for it. But I will. All right. Next one is from again. I don't know how to say. It. Is this this is Kai? This is Kai. <laughs> okay. How do you think the next season will go for Trey and Juan? So, Trey's last three just uh, sorry 162 games are nuts. Um, I feel like we're kind of starting to see Trey 
blossom and take that step forward. So I think he's taken that step and it's going to be a consistent player of who we've always hoped he is, hopefully, um, and just be a great leadoff hitter who's going to put up great numbers, especially for a shortstop. And Juan, Juan's going to do Juan things, but I think they actually have protection for him next year to put someone behind him. And I think he hits his first 40 home run season. You heard it here first. Oh, I love that. Love that prediction. Yeah, I think they're both going to be really good next year. I think they're probably the brightest spots in that lineup. You know that it's the uh, only bright spots. Yeah. Yeah. You know that picture of Brendon that was going around this past week where he's just sitting in the dugout, his helmet off, and he just has dead eyes because he's like so miserable. You guys mm-hmm. know the one I'm talking yes. about. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, that's what's in store next season for Trey and Juan. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be individually really good, and the team is going to not be really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, and they're just going to have dead eyes, and camera's going to pander them in the dugout, and they're just going to be thinking about. Get me away from here. Well, it, at least for Rendon, he can dry his tears on his gigantic piles of money. So. And living in a mansion in Southern, Southern California. California. <laughs> I want to move to yeah. Southern California so bad. Oh, so bad. I don't want to live in California. The taxes are too high. <laughs> I don't pay taxes, so. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> All right. Is that it for our questions? Were there more that got erased no, by that, Finn, or that was it? That's it. That's it. Okay, then we will move on to the best segment of the show, the worst Gosh. tweet of the week. Gosh. I saw this. I, I, I was like, we got a winner. It was it was Monday, and we had a winner. I seen it. I seen it. I seen it, man. All the way back on Monday, and it lasted. That's impressive. All right. You want to read this one, Ryan? You seem yes. excited about it. So this was in a response um, to someone saying that we need a good draft pick. Two weeks in a row, the worst two weeks been about draft picks. Um, this is from at Haskins2AB. AB's not coming back, man. Move on. Um, honestly, he says, and I quote, honestly, I'd rather see them fight at this point and win some games and just keep losing. Keeping the guys happy is important. I don't see how Trey signs an extension if we suck ass this season. So I what? saw this. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear, but he's currently in the box right now, and it's very loud because he's pushing on the floor. Um, <laughs> So I'm sorry, I can't hear over the deafening um, idiocy of this tweet. Yeah, like I, I saw this and I was like, I have to reply. I don't like I don't like like jumping in mentions of people. I think it's annoying. And I saw this and I was like, yeah, man, Trey's totally gonna look back in two years and go, mm, sorry, Mike, I'm not signing here because we sucked in a weird 2020 season. I'm out. What does this mean? Like, what? This is also coming after a couple of days where Trey said he loves it here and wants to play his entire career here. So you got, I don't know. I, I, don't, even, I don't even know what to say. I saw yeah, you tweet there, that. There are no words. I saw you tweet that, actually. And if you had told me that was three weeks ago, I would have believed you. <laughs> yeah. Actually, three weeks ago, this wouldn't have been that bad of a tweet. But definitely on Monday, it was. And do you have to think, maybe it's just me, who thinks about the fact that Rendon was so pissed off and miserable here and basically kicked the team on his way out the door and uh trey seems to be thrilled and happy here even though those two guys were like super tight i wonder why trey seems so much happier than random well, they're they're train his wife are like from the east coast um and like I, she's pregnant now so maybe they just love it here and they don't want to move rendon grew up in the country not really a city guy this is like a I mean, it's like a, it's a metro area. Yeah, but he moved to L.A. 
Well, I know, but he's also in these. But small, there's plenty of other. Yeah, he's in the smaller outside of LA that are. Yeah, nice. he's in the smaller market LA team behind Mike Trout. No one cares about the Angels as it is, and like the only people that talk about the Angels is Mike Trout, and he's also. And even Pujols too, because Pujols is chasing yeah. history. Yeah, like so Rendon's lost in the shuffle. He was. He, and was he a, loves it. He was a Texas Republican living in like a liberal city of DC. Like it just didn't mesh, and now he's. He's in liberal LA, so who right. knows? <laughs> which also doesn't mesh. But they gave him, they backed up a Brinks truck to his house, so he's know, like, like, whatever. It's it's Southern California, like that's quite literally one of the easiest sells. Hey man, come uh, live in beautiful LA in yeah. Southern California. It never rains in Southern California. Man, it just burns. Yeah, it does do that. Well, that's northern. Does do that. Well, yeah, and my sister lives in Springfield, Oregon, and had to evacuate her house, which super sucks. I have a friend in Washington who says it's nuts. Yeah, she they got to go home again, and it looks like the wind shifted, and they're not hopefully going to come into her town. But well, good. she said it's like her – yeah, but she's like – she showed, sent me pictures. Like her cars out in the, in the driveway are covered in ash, and there's like burnt leaves floating down into her backyard. It's crazy. Well, the pictures are – insane yeah they're like apocalyptic it looks like a mad max movie it's crazy anyways we're down to our very last segment of the show which is our movie (laughs) now you know you learn something every day if you're not careful all right how about our one big takeaway i got the week a great takeaway all right go for it um and it's that the marlins saved the season like at the beginning of the season, no one was like none of the players were taking this seriously. Like they were making fun of the protocols in the dugout, like being all like happy, like making fun of the whole you can't high five anyone, and everything. And then every single Marlins player got COVID, and that's when the league kind of woke up. Like you know, Manfred came out with his threats that they're going to cancel the season, and that's when everyone was like, "Yo, like if we don't take this seriously, we're not going to play, and like I'm probably going to get it." And we saw it last week where they had no positives. I think they had one, but it ended up being a false positive. But, like, ever since that, like, first couple weeks, the numbers have been dropping. And in a weird way, the Miami Marlins saved the 2020 season with their huge COVID outbreak. Yep. By having some of their players go to a strip club. Yeah, they, they went to an Atlanta strip club. And in a way, <laughs> a strip club saved baseball. In a way... <laughs> Go to strip clubs, kids. Oh, sweet. I can, I can mark that off on my bingo board. Sweet. There you go. <laughs> oh, what's yours next? S- sitting on that one for a while. Um, so <laughs> my big one is an expanded takeaway on something that's common knowledge at this point, and that is just the blackouts that MLB decides to do and how someone like me can't watch the Nats without cable. And yep, like, me either. Right, right. So before, and Ryan, I know you have cable, which is why I didn't say that. But um, <clears throat> like before it was a matter of MLB, you know, enforcing the these blackouts and restrictions is preventing new fans from, you know, lo- learning to love the game and just learning about the game and whatnot. But now I am actively feeling the effects of, being less interested in baseball. Like if it were not for this podcast and not for like the greatness that is DC Natchak, like I I just wouldn't be into baseball, especially this season. 
because I, I can't watch games. I haven't watched a Nats game since the first weekend. Or like obviously they played the Yankees since that. Oh, damn, Yankee that's series. crazy. I haven't watched it, and it's not because I don't want to. Well, I mean, now it's because <laughs> I don't want to because it's bad. But like I would have plenty of times, you know, even if it's just in the background. Like I am a diehard baseball fan, but you know, not being able to watch my team is actively making me less of a baseball fan, and it doesn't feel good. Like I, I want to, you know watch every single pitch and hang on the edge of my seat if the Nats are going to lose this game and get one one like step closer to getting that number one pick or whatnot or the other way around. But I can't because MLB is just, like, I guess hung up on the money with the TV deals, but it just sucks that I can't watch my team at all. Yeah, and um, it's so stupid because they're caught up in the money on the TV deals, but you're losing more money than you're gaining with those, I think, by the number of fans you're keeping away. Yeah. yeah. Today, MLB TV sent out an email, and they were like, hey, take uh, this quick survey for how we can improve MLB TV. And I was like, oh, boy. So, like, I, I <laughs> took mind. it. <laughs> and, like, the questions were dumb. It basically just started off asking, like, all these different plans and which plan I would pick. I picked the cheapest one every single time. Like, let's be honest. Um, but then it was like, what else can we do? And they get let me tight. I ripped them. I don't care. Like, they're not, I don't know if they're going to read it or not. Maybe they will because, like, Nick and I are part of the quote unquote coveted demographic for, like, sports and television. That's a demographic that they want to watch. And, like, it asks for your age and everything. I ripped them. Talk about how they're killing the sport. They're stuck in 1950 and they need to get rid of blackouts if they want to actually, like, be around. It felt good because blackouts are the dumbest thing in the world blackouts are the worst like, thing about baseball the worst thing they really it's so outrageous uh, that that's honestly, still going on in 2020 i can't even believe it if mlb.tv pivoted to the exact opposite of what it is now where you can't watch any out-of-market games but you can only watch your team you know how many people would sign in, up i would sign up every single season without oh yeah question. me too Without well, question. Also, the other issue right now for me, um, MLB locked my account, <laughs> so I can't even log in. And like, I sent them an email like, "Hey, um, it, it's not working," and they're like, "Oh, reset your password." And I was like, "Well, in my email, I said I can't reset my password because I don't get the email from you guys." And they just never responded again. So I'm in kind of like a legal battle right now, so I can't get too much into it. Um, but either way, <laughs> down with MLB TV. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, down with the man. All right, well, my one big takeaway for the week is just how interesting this season has been with the teams nobody thought were going to be playoff contenders, being playoff contenders, and a bunch of teams everybody thought was going to be good being really bad. And it's just a really interesting season. I'm not sure if it's because the teams that were supposed to be good weren't taking it as seriously or what it is, but it seems odd to me how, like, the Marlins and the White Sox, and there's all these teams that you you didn't think – would be the Blue Jays that are just so much fun and so exciting to watch right now. And uh, it's a weird season, but I do think that's going to be it's, the best part of the playoffs is watching all these teams that never make the playoffs. It's because the playing field has been leveled with less games. Like, you know, when you watch college football or college basketball and you want that upset that happens so badly, but the better team just pulls away at the end. That's what happens in 162 season, like game season. The better team will always pull away. But now in only a 60 game season, 
there's That's a good chance point. for that. Like everyone's on the same field. If you get off to a hot start, which a lot like these bad teams do every single year, but then they fall apart. There's no room for that this year. So everyone's just at the same area and just doing their thing. And it's making it honestly like this regular season has been really fun. And it's a shame that the Nats suck because there's been so many great stories. It's because of the shorter season. What do you think is going to happen in the playoffs? Do you think one of these upstart teams is going to actually have a chance one, to up, upset one of the the big the big a, teams that everybody thinks they're going to win? It's a three-game series. Like I already said, like the Marlins will beat the Dodgers if they play. Like any anything can happen in a three-game series, if especially that happens, in the playoffs. I might never stop Ooh. laughing. Mm. Um, I might laugh until I die. I would feel I bad. Well, quick, quick segue. I would feel bad for the Dodgers because it's not like they haven't had good teams and haven't, you know, quote unquote, deserved it. But I'm talking about. Yeah, joking. but come on, if the freaking Marlins take yeah, down no, the Dodgers that, that, in the first round, level. that'll be the funniest thing that ever happened in the history of things. No, that, that's definitely next level. No, about the season from the games I've actually been permitted to watch. Uh, it seems like the the players, you know, without fans and without, you know, now they can play a game at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday and no one's going to say anything because it's not like there's fans anyways. It seems like they've gotten back to just, like, playing the game. Like, there's no – I mean, I'm sure some stuff, maybe they're in a contract year or whatever and they have other things on their mind, but it seems like you're seeing a lot more of the, the players just – like playing baseball. And, and I mean, you know, that's maybe an oversimplification or whatnot, but it, it's cool to see, especially like you pointed out with these young teams, it's like they're having fun with it. Like the Padres are so electric and, you know, Blue Jays, I mean, we saw it coming with both teams, but Blue Jays are fun. The Marlins are fun to root for because no one expected it. Even the Orioles fell into that category until they, kind of like lost a few they managed to fall apart even with the short season right but like and they still got that playoff spot you, you, oh they do oh i thought they fell out of i, I think they like, like four they either have it or like they're a game or a game and a half back gotcha. i can't remember but yeah you're like you find yourself rooting for these teams just because it's something different like how boring was it in you know nba when it was Cavs warriors for four straight years how boring is it when the patriots are in the super bowl every year like mm-hmm. it, you want Everyone, like, whether they believe it or not, craves something different. And this year, you know, for whatever it has been, whatever it turns into, is something different. And it has been good for the game in baseball. I truly believe that. Yeah, it has been super fun. Yeah, there's nothing more boring than, a, like, a Dodgers-Yankees World Series. You're totally right. Oh, well, that would it's, actually be kind of fun. That would be, yeah. I, Two classic just, franchises yeah. and Major League Baseball if it, would be. If it was three years in a row, yes, yeah. but. Major League Baseball would be the happiest campers oh, yeah. in the world to They're have like a, the biggest markets. <laughs> a, the I'm two biggest for franchises. Tampa, San Diego World Series. Like, not that either of them like aren't Camp, like, Tampa, Miami on teams. But yeah, or, well, no, like there's no like big national draw. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm rooting for a Marlins White Sox World Series at this point. I want a Padres White Sox. Oh, Padres White Sox would be good. Yeah, what what's even worse? Like maybe you know A's. Tw- oh no, I was gonna say A's Twins. No, Twins and what's the lo- smallest market in the NL? Who has a playoff spot? I don't know. Um, Probably San Diego, but they're getting a lot of national hype. Yeah, right just I was trying to think of the most boring team. So like Twins Marlins, 
Yeah, oh, yeah Mar- no, Marlins, yeah. Yeah, Twins, Marlins would just be like, like I would still be into it because we're baseball fans, but for baseball, I'd just be like, yeah. <laughs> like, if the be White- like, okay, well, on to the 2021. If the White Sox make it, you have Chicago. Like, there's some of those bad teams that still have the huge market. Right. But if it's like the Marlins or something, Major League Baseball is going to be so mad. Yeah, what are they going to oh, talk yeah. about the entire time? Um, <laughs> Even yeah. though all those Cubs fans will be watching the White Sox if they make the World Series, you can be sure. Well, all right, do we have anything else? Is that it for us? Um, eat at Chili's. Eat at oh, Chili's. It's always sage advice. One final thought. You know, they so back in grad school, school just started up, they should really make the assignments due at like 5 p.m. so that way I don't procrastinate. Because when you make something due at 2 a.m., you know I'm going to procrastinate. Like, come on. I have all day to do. But if something's due in the middle of the day, I'm not going to procrastinate. So they're just setting you up for failure. It's a scam. Well, have you considered just not procrastinating? Oh, come on. Come on, Amanda. I mean, I know you're old, but you haven't been out of school that long. Oh, no. No, not at all. And in fact, I procrastinated on anything. I was just saying, if you don't like it, <laughs> no, I like, I never, at anything I do in school, I, I could never do it until it was like breathing down my neck. I only can work under pressure. Yep. I had two minutes and 49 seconds left to spare last night. <laughs> that is cutting it a little close. <laughs> <laughs> like if your internet connection craps out, you're screwed. Uh, I was done. Yep. Yep. Down to the wire. All right. Well, it was good chatting with you guys, as always. Thank you hey, to all you heaters for listening. Well, give me a minute. i got to give everybody Twitter handles again. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877. You can follow Nick and Ryan at DCNatShack and at HalfShackCap. You can follow OPT at One Pursuit Takes. You can follow Monty at M. Davis Taylor. And you can follow the show at Half Street, or I'm sorry, at Half Street High Heat. All right. I can't talk. Tired. Tired. Fired. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good night. Talk to you next week. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls all at the commentator who has the causes past the wall to see you later. Let's go. By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not wanna look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.